I want to ask you, um, why do all of us, regardless of our background, whether we're pastors or we're CEOs or whether we're secretaries, whether we're students, whether we work in a hospital or at a school, why do we need to learn the art of negotiation? Well, any time the words I want or I need are in your head, you're in a negotiation. You know, the most dangerous negotiation is the one you don't know you're in and all of us are probably in five to seven negotiations each and every day. Wait, we're in five to seven negotiations a day? Every day in and day out. Okay, do you guys know that you're in a negotiation every day? I did not know that I was in five. Well, I do have children, so I do feel like they hold me hostage every single day. So I, I'll give you a great example. What we don't think is a negotiation. I'm, I interrupt a lot. I didn't tell you I was going to do that, but... Uh, it's okay. All right, so... I do, too. Uh, 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 <laughs> oh, <laughs> How dare she? <laughs> All right, so this uh, guy started this global phenomenon called Secrets, which is send me your secrets anonymously. Um, and I will let everybody else know, because uh, what you're struggling with is probably what other people are struggling with also. So he gets a, a brand new coffee cup from Starbucks, because the question is, are you in a negotiation when you're ordering coffee at Starbucks? And the guy that sends him the coffee cup says, send it to him with a note, I give decaf to people who are mean to me. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's a negotiation. And then those of you out there that think you're developing a tolerance to caffeine, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe there's a reason for that headache. So you, you just mentioned it, but say it again. How do we know when we are in a negotiation? Do you say most of the time we don't even know it? Right. If, you know, if, there's, if the words I want or I need are coming out of your mouth, I want directions, I need five more minutes. Okay. I need you to collaborate. I'd like you to collaborate. I want you to collaborate. You're in a negotiation. You know, the commodity that's in all negotiations is time. Mm-hmm. And it's a commodity that we all have that's the exact same amount of. Yeah. I'm so excited for everyone to, to learn from you today, whether you want to get your kids to bed on time, which I do, um, whether you want a raise at work, um, if you want to get that deal on that swanky new Honda minivan like I do. Um, we're going to learn some... Like um, yesterday, a red geo prism, right? Wasn't that mentioned Yes, yesterday? I believe that's what Craig was driving around. I love a little swagger wagon, but we have so much to learn from you. Um, but here's my question. Like, I think I'm a pretty good negotiator. I convinced my dad to let me get my ears pierced four years before I was supposed to. But is this a skill that anyone can learn or are some people just better at it than others? No, it's absolutely learnable. I mean, I read a lot. So uh, a book that I like, uh, The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle, and he contends that everything is learnable. As soon as, you, as soon as you start putting in your time and if you enjoy it, then you don't notice that you're putting in the, your time. But absolutely, it's, we all have the capacity to be really good at this. Mm-hmm. So those in our host sites, our global audience here, who wants to learn how to negotiate? Oh, come on, a little bit. Who no wants more. to negotiate? I had to negotiate that applause, by the way. Hey, great um, negotiator. Okay, so we're entering a negotiation. What is the most important thing that we need to keep in mind? What should our mindset be when we're entering a negotiation? You know, there's always going to be stuff the other side could say that could tell you, that would delight you. Um, they've always got stuff that could help. Um, they may not know all of it. Hear them out. The first move is really hear the other side out. And one of the comments that was made yesterday, you know, only connect. Connect. I mean, turn the negotiation into a collaboration. Connect. You'll be shocked at how far you will get when you connect with people.
You say connecting is easy and connecting is powerful. It's as simple as that. It's, it's, it's crazy how simple it is, how cheap it is, how much of a difference it could make. And if, if the other side feels you've connected with them, they're going to look at you and they're going to say, that's right. You're either going to get little that's rights or really big that's rights. And every time somebody says that's right to you, they feel more connected to you. Mm-hmm. Not a you're right. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. Remember, you don't get in life what's fair. You get what you negotiate. If you want to become a better negotiator, click the link in the description below. One of our many competitive advantages, our negotiation skills are used by every hostage negotiation team on earth. People ask us on a regular basis, is this cross-cultural? Every hostage negotiation team on earth uses the same eight skills. Because no matter what ethnicity, no matter what culture, no matter what religion, the wiring of human being is what is on the other side. Jihadi John has a limbic system and an amygdala. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the head of ISIS, has an limbic system and an amygdala. And they all function in the same ways. The only people that don't have an emotional makeup that doesn't react like everybody else's are the people that are actually paranoid schizophrenic, when their wiring is actually wrong. People who just have behavior problems or chemical imbalances, we used to be called uh, manic depressive and then got called bipolar, and I don't know what, they change the labels every few years. Those are chemical imbalances. Those are not wiring problems. Those are chemistry problems. And if they just got chemistry problems, then they have a limbic system, and a limbic system functions according to neuroscience. Among those rules are labeling negatives diffuses negatives. Also among those rules are culturally, universally, we have found that asking someone why makes them defensive. And then we found out about this proof of life issue and we asked ourselves, hmm, how can we use why in a way that works for us? And we literally will say to people, there are a lot of competitors out here that could teach you. You know, Harvard could teach you negotiation. You can learn negotiation from Wharton. Karras is out there. There are no shortage of credible competitors for negotiation knowledge. Why would you ever come to the Black Swan Group? We ask that question all the time. Before the book came out, we'd be standing up in front of a group and I'd say, guys, why listen to a hostage negotiator? And what happens? What do you think happens? Why would you listen to a hostage negotiator? Why would you? Because your skills have to work. Your skills have to work is what he said. Here's what happens on the people that haven't made up their mind yet. They tell you which part of your value proposition appeals to them. I could say... You should listen to a hostage negotiator because my skills have to work. Or I can look at you and say, why would you do this? And you say the same thing. Now, when does it matter more to you? When you say it. And I begin to understand what aspect. Now, if, if uh, he's a potential client, I say, why would you ever listen to a hostage negotiator? And he says to me, because your skills have to work. Now I use that to continually frame my value proposition because I know 
that's an element of my value proposition, and those are the words that speak to him. And if their mind is 80% made up ahead of time, you have to diagnose what aspects of what you bring to the table matter to them. Because more than likely, every single one of you have anywhere from 10 to 20 reasons why people should do business with you. And if you start out on stuff that doesn't matter to me, how long before I tune you out? Five seconds is a pretty accurate guess. It's roughly three to 10 seconds. Some data says seven seconds. But you're going to blow five, seven, ten seconds on the wrong issue, and I'm going to tune you out. I mean, and there's no shortage. I don't know how many of you have been in pitch presentations and half pitch presentations or half, half product presentations. People hate having a CEO in a room because they're like, damn, CEO's going to interrupt, start asking questions before I can get all the way through my presentation. Well, actually, what does that tell you? It tells you, number one, that he didn't care about everything you said up to that point in time, and what he interrupted, John, was what he really cared about. Right? But, and we see this in industry after industry after industry. I worked hard on that presentation. I want them to sit there for two hours while I give the whole thing. That, that's when people are really happy, when they get a chance to get through their whole proposal. And then, and ideally... They don't get any hard questions, and they roll out of there happy as hell, right? And then what happens? No sale, sale, right? Do you ever use open-ended questions? Open-ended questions. We do it through labeling. It's how we we do the open-ended questions. We give them a question that's not just a yes or no. We, We do it by labeling the whatever we want to say. It's a little easier for us, like like we were talking about earlier. When you talk asking questions, there's a segment of the population that don't like being asked questions. So even if it's an open-ended one, they're going to be resentful. When you do it in a way that you're using the label, it seems like, it sounds like, it looks like, it feels like. You're giving them the ability to express themselves without feeling like they've been asked a question. Well, Troy, what are our calibrated questions? We get calibrated questions that are kind of similar to, to, to that style, don't we? Sure. Calibrated questions are, are that's a good, good segment. When we talk about calibrated questions, they are really our open-ended questions, and it's designed to kick the counterpart to start thinking. They're the ones that can't be answered with a yes or no. People don't like to say yes. So one of the things we do is by having them say no, they feel like they're protected. In our line of work, people are always being asked yes questions. So we use no-oriented questions when we do it. And some of the calibrated questions that we ask, that we use, are thought-provoking questions. That way we can get the people to start opening up more without actually asking a question. So so basically, we got what and how questions, right? Right. We have what and how. We don't do who, when. We use why sparingly. We use why when we talk about proof of life. Other than that, we don't. We just use the what and how. How am I supposed to do that is probably the most famous question that, that people recognize and they learn that from the book. Even though that's a good how question, you want to use it sparingly. Sparingly, you want to set it up. You use a what question. What about this doesn't work for you? To get people to, you're asking the question with saying what, 
and you're allowing them to think about it and give you their side of what they're thinking. The other ones, the who, what, when, where, why, and how, what we learned in school, we get rid of everything but the what, the how, and the why when we do the proof of life. Stephanie, I'm gonna bring you up on stage. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to ask a question. I just wanted to generally ask everybody on stage here if I think the art of negotiating is always an incredibly critical thing to do, I think, as we're growing up and certainly get into business or politics or whatever our space. But in a time of such significant, I think, still political upheaval, the future of the economy, um, what economies are going to be thriving and what are going to be barely surviving and all the things that we're looking at in the future, how important do you all see, based on your expertise and history um, in this space, how important do you think this is going to be to be for more people to engage in the art of negotiating and really learning how to hone in on these skills? I, it's feeling pretty critical to me as I'm listening. That's a really good question. What we found is the people who have gone through the Black Swan Group training, they're better prepared. They've learned how to, to interact with people from all walks of life. By using these skills, you're less threatening. You start to build the relationship with people. I always say you almost become the most interesting person in the room. By using these skills, you have people willing to talk to you. They're going to tell you so many things that you didn't know that's going to help you not just in the negotiations, but in your everyday life. You're going to learn so much about other people and people love to talk about themselves. I don't care if they're politicians. I don't care what walk of life they are in. Most people will love to talk about themselves. And if you're a good listener, all these skills will help you every single day of your life. We have another question from Amber. Amber, would you like to come up on stage? I'll send you the request. Would a why question sound accusatory even if used with a right tone of voice? If you have kids, grandkids, or as you went through life and somebody said something to you, you always ask why. Why? My grandkids do it all the time. If I say you can't have something, why? Why? And when you get the why so many times, it's, it's always like you're questioning or you're questioning somebody. You're making them not even want to answer. When we talk about why, we use it sparingly for the purpose of proof of life. You know, out of all the people you could deal with today, why did you come on to this, this fireside chat with me? So we're asking it in a way to get, get you to tell us what you're thinking, what your thoughts are, you're selling us, you're selling me. You're telling me what you liked about what, what I do. You're telling me why you like it. And I'm not having to sit there and try to tell myself or tell anybody else, sing my own praises. And that also will help you to find out if you're the fool or the favorite in a negotiation. Thank you so very much and looking forward to meeting up with you in the future. Thank you, Amber. So we're coming down to the last 10 minutes of our scheduled chat. And um, Jay, if, if somebody yes. wants some more training from Troy after this, if they're intrigued, they want to hear some more, because I just heard some conversation about practice groups and other ways to learn from Troy. How do they do that? Absolutely. We have a Next Level Negotiators Facebook group where you will be able to get exclusive access 
to our instructors. I know uh, for tomorrow, Troy will be having a live stream uh, specifically towards that group. So if you're if you want to attend and you want to practice with like-minded negotiators, um, feel free to come to my profile and I'll have the link available for you to um, access the group. We also have um, plenty of YouTube videos specific on negotiation skills and tactics that you can use to improve your daily communication or any high stakes negotiations that you are preparing for. You can always subscribe to our YouTube, YouTube channel and check out those videos. Um, we also have the Black Swanlings LinkedIn group. Um, and there you will also be able to practice with like-minded individuals. And we also have practice sessions with our negotiator negotiating team that you'll be able to ask them questions and just practice any type of negotiation topic. That's pretty cool. There's even some stuff I didn't know about in there. Did you was one of those black swan lings? Was that what that was? Yes, black swan lings. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right, we got a little. Good. We got a little. We got a little. You know, signets or whatever they call them. People want to turn into grow up to be black swans, right? Absolutely, <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> All right, very good. That's my that's my future future goal is to grow up to be a full grown black swan. Well, you're plenty full. You're plenty full grown <laughs> now. <laughs> Shade, we got another question there. We how yes. many questions we get? We have um, Alexander. Would you like to come up on stage? I'll send you the request. Hi, everybody. How you doing, Alexander? Great to meet you all, Chris, Kayla, Troy, Shay. Thanks so much for holding this uh, session. I'm sorry I missed my last question. Um, I'm just curious on a, maybe a slightly lighter note. Um, I know we always, always think of negotiation as being part of like a serious situation, like a hostage situation or possibly business negotiations. But do you f would you agree that um, every interaction you have with another human being is actually on some level, even subliminally, uh, a negotiation? And are you always negotiating? Like we said in the Black Swan group, anytime there's a I need or I want, you're in the middle of a negotiation, whether you know it or not. You're in the middle of a negotiation. And when you use these skills, they'll become so second nature to you that the counterpart won't know that you that you're using them. One, two, when you're doing that, you're getting better at, at negotiating and it doesn't have to be. A hostage situation. It doesn't have to be a business situation. It can be in your everyday life. You every day you go somewhere, you 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 talk to somebody. There's a there's an opportunity to use the skills because there is some sort of most instances there's some sort of negotiation that's going to take place. Great, thanks, Chris. Do you have a point of view about that? Yeah, I like Troy's answer. I mean, um, uh, it's just it's so all around us. Because, you know, people think negotiation is just. When you're talking about money, but if you're talking about you want to you want to gather information, you're in a negotiation. You want to you want to give direction, you're in a negotiation because it's about collaboration and compliance. So, uh, yeah, I think it's there all the time. And so, you know, in in terms of that learning, then is this, is this something that because um, you've obviously got a a pretty solid process now? Is, is that from your perspective? Is that a process that that is just there, and we've kind of learned? as much as we can from it or do you see things happening like even today in the news where it's like oh actually you know maybe that um that idea probably needs updating just as you had the conversation with the guys at harvard 
Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Um, I think there's three reasons why the black swan method is continually evolving. Let me see if I can tag all of them. Uh, first of all, we're a team. You want to go far. If you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go as a team. Like the inner intellectual property, the IP that uh, the Black Swan Group creates is principally from my thinking, my son Brandon's, and our, our, our best coach, Derek. And we each sort of bring a different aspect. Uh, I do most of the public appearances. Brandon actually runs a company. My son runs our company and does a, more negotiations than any one of the three of us. He's a brilliant negotiator. Derek does our coaching. Now, Brandon, in applying the Black Swan Method, will come up with something new and just score a huge win. So uh, the process is always evolving. It has to. We're constantly learning. There was a Dutch Shell executive a long time ago that said, the ability to learn faster than your competition is the only sustainable competitive advantage. <laughs> and we are competitive, and we are constantly pushing what we're learning forward. We've learned a bunch of stuff since, since the book came out five years ago we've created some methodology in the last year because we're constantly applying it none of our competition is applying it as much as we are none of our competition coaches as much as we do there could be coaching somebody and in the midst of the coaching process of discover a new concept that had been staring us in the face for a long time so yeah we're constantly learning it and we believe that Jim Camp said a long time ago, negotiation is a human performance event, which means, you know, as soon as you stop practicing, you start losing your skills. And we're very conscious of that. So we practice it constantly. One of the key things about negotiation is, is to have a vision. So if we take, yeah. if we now sort of take that into a hostage situation, then what, what you would be trying to do as a negotiator is to understand what the other person's vision is is would, would that would, would that be correct yeah and you know they're going to start giving me clues as soon as they start communicating like you know what 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 is this indicating i'm looking for indicators that add up like one of our favorite exercises which we put business people through is what we call the 60 seconds or she dies exercise i play a hostage bank robber I have people, volunteers, negotiators, and I'll say, I need a car in 60 seconds or she dies. Now, what's buried in there is if I'm asking for a car, then my vision of the future is my survival. I want to live. So most people would say, if I made the demand, I need a car in 60 seconds or she dies. If you want to be honest, you might say, look, we can't give you a car. Or if you don't know how to be honest, you say, I'll try, which is a, a lie in disguise. But if you're listening for emotional intelligence, you'll say, sounds like you want to live. Now, how do you transfer that to a business scenario? Somebody says, look, you either you discount your price or I'm going someplace else. Your real response there for the future is, or their current, how they're being held hostage Sounds like you're under a lot of pressure. Sounds like this deal matters a lot to you. Sounds like you want to make a deal that carries your career forward. That's how you start to listen for that stuff.
This concept here is not new to you guys in this class, but I wanted to touch on it again because I want to make sure that we understand the purposes behind why we use what instead of why. The problem with why is we've heard it since we were very young. Whenever we're asked why, if I say, Matt, why, why would you ever grow your beard to that length? Immediately, there's going to be an, a defensive reaction on his part because I'm implying that he shouldn't have his beard that long, which means he made a bad decision. I automatically put myself in a, in a position of superior, superiority over Matt just based on the question. Why implies that there is a right answer and that and that the person that's receiving your why question doesn't have it. And you're immediately changing the dynamics of the conversation when you ask why. Why there, There's a version of the word why in every language on the planet, every language on the planet, it makes people defensive. And so just be careful. You can turn any why question into a what question. Why did you grow your why did, why did you grow your beard to that length? Can simply be changed into what went into the decision for you to wear a beard that length. It takes the sting out of it. Subscribe to the Black Swan Group's negotiation newsletter, which is free. It doesn't cost you anything. I had a colleague at the FBI that used to like to say, if it's free, I'll take three. Here's how you subscribe to The Edge if you're in the United States. Send a text to, the number is 33777, that's 33777. The text message that you send is Black Swan Method, Black Swan Method 233777. Comes to your email inbox on Tuesday mornings when you're ready to rock and roll and get after the week. When we talk about thought-shaping questions, we're talking primarily what and how questions. These are our old calibrated questions. We used to use calibrated questions to gather information. We're moving away from that now and using the calibrated questions to provoke thought or to engage them in problem solving uh, collaboration. How are we gathering information now? We're not asking questions. We're using what we're referring to at this point as asking labels. Any question that you want to ask the other side, if you want to take um, offensiveness out of the question, you want it to feel less like an interrogation, take that uh, what or how question and turn it into a label simply by upward inflecting. It sounds like X is important to you as opposed to asking them what's important to you. And if you notice also, um, as of late, I've really become enamored with the word envision or vision. Uh, because when you talk about somebody's thought process, there's a mental movie that's playing in their vein, in their brain. There's always a vision of how they see things in the future. And it's a powerful word to get them to really use their imagination.